give you thanks and praise. We need you, O oh Lord, hear the cry of your children. Oh God, my Father, my Lord. Jesus' name and Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Acts. We're in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I'd like to turn your attention to one verse in particular, and then we'll go from there. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, or the church house in other words, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Lord bless you. You can be seated. I'd like to work for a little bit this morning on single heart. Single heart. There are, of course, many wonderful lessons to be taught right out of here in the second chapter of Acts. When Jesus has come in the flesh invisible has shown himself visibly, and he has gone about in a visible earthly ministry, doing good, healing the sick, all those that were oppressed of the devil. Many wonderful things did he show people during his earthly ministry. And in so doing, of course, the scripture, there was purpose in all of this. He just didn't come to walk around do all the wonderful things he did, and that would be the end of it, like falling off the end of a table or something. But there was a lot more before he got here, and there was a lot since he left here, and uh, continues on to this moment. As a matter of fact, the book of Acts has no amen at the end of it. The church continues on, uh, reaching people everywhere, all nations. But as Jesus went about in his earthly ministry, and that time had come, as he foretold, to be taken by wicked hands and to be beaten and then crucified, and having fulfilling, having fulfilled then the scriptures, and as he told them, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. He said, they are they which testify of me. He told some other folks who, said, who claimed to be of Moses, he said, well, you're not of Moses. He said, if you were, he said, then you'd believe in me because Moses wrote of me. So unfortunately, they, uh, they seem to run into a, a fallacy everywhere they turn because of their own thinking and doing things their way, thinking things their way, being driven by the wrong spirit. And they kept just running into a, a wall. And uh, it doesn't have to be that way. You can run into a strong tower, if you like. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and is safe. And uh, it's a continual condition that you'll be in safety if you do that. It's, it's not something that was 
and not and yet it can be something that is going to be but what's beautiful is it's it's right here and it's right now you can run into the name of the Lord don't run from that name but run into that name it's a strong tower place of safety first of all it's a place to get rid of your sins get them all fully pardoned every you won't have to spend your life trying to justify why you did or are doing uh, things that are incorrect, far better to get all of those incorrections taken care of and then begin to embark on a journey of doing it correctly, doing it the right way, God's way. And he's going to give you an empowerment. He's going to, he said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Some people read those scriptures and they just read over them and dismiss them. Uh, other people read those scriptures and experience what they're meaning, what they're saying. That you once were bound, name anything you want, drugs, alcohol, lying, cheating. You were bound by those things. You were overcome by those things. And you became the servant of those spirits. But now, now that you've been baptized in Jesus' name, if you have, and that you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you have, then you're now a part of the body of Christ and you've received power. Power over all the power of the enemy to tread upon scorpions and serpents. It means that you have power to bring this flesh under subjection and to operate in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to sing in the Spirit, to preach in the Spirit, to witness in the Spirit, to read the Bible in the Spirit, Pray in the Spirit. And what a great and wonderful and marvelous experience that is. That sin no longer has dominion over you. That you're not going to do what evil spirits tell you to do anymore. You're not going to have a foul mouth and run off with all kinds of temper and attitude and quarreling. That you're delivered from that. That you, you have a different spirit now. A different attitude whole different way of thinking and looking at things because you have this opportunity as Jesus said and he made it clear that you must do it he said you must be born again of water and of the spirit because he said that which is flesh is flesh and you'll always find yourself subject to the spirits that are able to take advantage of the weakness of the flesh for it is said and written that the flesh is weak but then you can get that which is born of the Spirit. And if you get that which is born of the Spirit, it's Spirit. And therefore, God is a Spirit. And so we're drawing from not only the right source, but the primary source. He is God. In the beginning, God. How beautiful that is. Well, let's just go to the source. Let's bypass the devil. Let's bypass all of the different things that he uh, leads people astray with. Let's just cut to the chase. Let's cut to God. Let's get right to what one individual told me one time. Said they had some problems and said, um, I kept messing around and messing around. Said I finally got down to business and began to seek the Lord about it. And, and the point being that I got down to business. Well, let's get down to business because Jesus said, Wished you not that I must be about the Spirit's business. So let's just get about business here. Let's get about God's business. Not a carnal business. It's a spiritual business. Let's get about doing what's right. Let's get about doing what's best 
for us. It serves our best interest. And of all those that are concerned, it's going to serve their best interest. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 33 tells you that there was certain people, tribe of people, and that they were expert in war, and that they were not, everybody said not, they were not double-hearted. And that they were, in other words, one translation said they were trusty. They were trusty. You could trust them. They were stable. They were sure. They were steadfast. They weren't wishy-washy. They weren't up and down all the time. But there was a, a direct, straightforward movement of them because they were not double-hearted. I'm, I'm telling you what, we're living in a world where people are definitely double-hearted. But what's really difficult is when people are supposed to be in the church and they're double-hearted. That here the writer said, now you watch it, Jesus now has gone through an earthly ministry. His flesh has been beaten and crucified. The spirit withdrew from that flesh to the point that the flesh cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The spirit withdrew from that fleshly body. And the fleshly body was taken down by certain ones. And Joseph of Arimathea being the man that the spirit used to get that body off of the cross. And then they took him and they prepared him, that body, for burial. And they wrapped him then and put him in the sepulcher. And then you understand that stone was set and that stone was sealed. And people felt like by doing it that natural way, we'll seal the stone, that that will be the end of him. But that was not the end of anything, my friend, except a fleshly body. And that's it. It was the beginning of every good and wonderful spiritual promise that Jesus had foretold and given. And now the stone is found rolled away. And he is not there. And him whom you seek, my friend, he's going to be in places you won't even begin to imagine. He's going to show up here and show up there. And with many infallible proofs, we're going to show you that this is right and the other is wrong. You better get your heart in single here. You better get in step and get in right with what God is doing and what God is proving to be right. Amen. And so, of course they were disturbed. Of course they were upset. Uh, the disciples. Mary, the mother of the flesh. And uh, here they are, and Jesus appears in the midst of them. And he begins to tell them things that help to encourage them, uh, to speak comfortably to them, and even to deal with a doubter, somebody who just felt like unless such and such happens, I... I'm not believing. Well, it didn't take very much convincing, did it? He, I, I never read where he actually put his hand in the nail scars. I never read where he actually thrust his fingers into the side of Jesus Christ where he had been wounded. I never read where he had it. He didn't get that far with it. 
one glance and the feeling of God's power in the midst of that place and the demonstration of it all, and he just simply said, My Lord and my God. Well, it's nice when you're easily entreated, when you can be spoken to, and the word of the Lord can be brought to you, that you will respond in a favorable manner. What the writer said, Unite my heart to fear thy name. That you can get your, your whole self in a singleness towards the Spirit of the Lord and that you're not divided, that you're not of a double heart, that you're not of a double mind. Let that individual not think he's going to receive anything of the Lord if you're one way this day and another way the next day. He's not going along with that. You're like a wave wavering on the sea. And he said, don't even begin to think you're going to get anything from me. Oh no, when Jesus Christ gave them instructions. He weeded out the double-hearted. There was above 500 that was there when he told them that repentance and remission of sins was to be preached in his name among all nations. And then shall the end come, my friend. It was going to be something take place and it was going to take place at Jerusalem. Some things have got to take place before the end is going to come. And in that interval, in this church age, in this time, period there are some things we got to do and be about we need a singleness of heart to get it done we've got a job to do got to be about his business got to learn what that business is so you can be about it got to be educated for that spiritually and so uh, Jesus is giving them these instructions and he sent them to the upper room and 380 had a double heart they had a double heart. Now, another good example of that would go back to Gideon. And there's many examples in the Bible. But Gideon is quite quite clear on the matter. When there was 30,000 people, and Gideon evidently had a little trust in his heart towards those that great number. And the Lord said, well, we're going to have to have a little uh, dealing with them because they're not all with you. Really? No. And we're going to you're going to see. And when God got done, there was 10,000. They lost 20,000 people right there. Wham. One-third left out of the three-thirds. So here we have uh, Gideon looking around and thinking, okay, we, we still look pretty good. And God said, ah, we're not done yet. Have another test. We went through that test because we got some double hearts now. We went through that test. Old Gideon was like, wait a day. We got 300. What's the deal? You know? And so, uh, but he had 300 that were with him. Better to have 300 that are with you than to have 30,000 that are double heart. And so the Lord got down to those that were, what did it say in, in uh, Matthew? Let thine eye be single. And if your eye is single, then your whole body will be filled full or filled with light. Oh, friend, you start seeing things a whole lot different. He said, and no part is dark. All that has been dispelled. The doubt is gone. The doubt, the, the fear and the unbelief, the darkness is gone. Oh, you know, when it, notice that it said uh, in Matthew's writing, it said that um, if thine eye be single, and then when he comes to the contrast of that, he, he uses the word dark. He didn't say if it, if it be double or triple or quadruple. He just said dark. In other words, if it's less than single, you got dark. Anything less than being single of heart puts you into the darkness. That's how God looks at it. God wants us to be here in unity. 
He wants there to be a singleness of mind, a singleness of heart. That means your thoughts as well as your emotions. That means that if everything from head to toe, you are given to the work of the Lord and to His Holy Spirit. That you're not going to allow yourself to allow darkness to come in. Darkness is of the enemy. That's the kind of stuff he deals with. People love darkness, the writer said, because their deeds were evil. Because they're operating undercover. They're operating in the shade and the darkness. They're operating in a manner that is sneaky and hidden. What did it say about uh, Jesus in the days of his flesh? He looks up and he sees a man coming to him. And he pronounces an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. He was saying there's nothing sneaky about this guy. There's nothing uh, a bookie joint in the back with the pizza parlor in the front. There's nothing like that with this guy. This guy's true through and through. This, there's an honesty here. There's a transparency here. There's not anything hidden going on in this heart. Oh, I'm telling you, God wants us to bring our hearts to him. And he wants to clean them up. And he wants to put you in his steps. And he wants to get you about his business. Amen. You know, if you're out on the battlefield, now, we quoted to you First Chronicles 12, 33, that uh, you've got men that are expert in war. You've got men that are not double-hearted, that they're people you can trust. Well, let's take... Uh, what was written about one group of people. It said they were armed with the bow and the spear, but they turned back in the day of battle. Now you see that's double hearted. I'm with you, and then all of a sudden they turn back. Well, what did, what did somebody turn back? Well, you know, it's about that time, and my, my favorite little program is on. So I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to be out there with you uh, where the blood and the gore is and where the fighting in the trenches is. You know, some people think that um, they, they don't understand what the Scripture teaches about the love of God. And they, you know, it's, um, it's love, 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 love. You know? Well, would to God it was that. But I read where Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That means we got some battle going here. We've got an enemy here, and it is called the good fight of faith. All right? So you've got to realize that what's good and what's proper and what's godly and what's right, we've got to fight for that. Now, there is a spiritual way to fight. I made that clear. We're not pulling out AK-47s and grenades, and we don't have those kinds of weapons. Neither do we want those kinds of weapons. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Peter goes to draw a sword, and the Lord said, you live by that, you'll die by that. That's not what we want to be about. Not at all. But you have a spiritual battle, and you've got to put yourself into that. That battle, and let me tell you, church and leadership need to know that your people are single-hearted, and they're in this, they're behind this, they're with you, they're not double-hearted, and they're not off turning back right and left somewhere. <clears throat> would have been a would have been a very difficult thing to uh, go out against. What it even said in the scripture that a person going out to battle, that they, they need to count ahead of time the cost. He said, you don't want to wind up trying to do something and then find out you don't have enough to do it. So 
Okay? So I'm saying to you, you you've got to you've got to every day talk to God and say, God, I want to be complete here. I want to be single here. I want to be united with you in, in, in fear. I don't want to disrespect you, God. I want you to know that I'm I'm with it here. I'm in this. I'm not playing around. Uh, I'm not running off at any time, much less a critical time, and uh, taking off to, to do this and to do that and do the other, and I've got hidden things in my heart, and I'm involved with this and I'm involved with that. And I'm, What did one woman say one time? She said, um, she said uh, put the, the dish where the preacher can't see it. You ever listen to yourself? What am I saying? You know, what, what am I conspiring to do here? And why am I involved in a conspiracy to begin with? <laughs> How quickly you can be victimized by a spirit. Example, Peter. Oh, it's a cold morning. Cold. Is Jesus in there? Aren't you one of his disciples? Nope. Fire's warm, and I like the fire. You got any marshmallows? Yeah, but you see, your your speech betrays you. And then he begins, oh, boy, you're talking about showing up in the flesh. He begins to curse. He begins, I don't know him. God only knows what he said. But, uh, you know, thankfully, one look from the Lord at the right time, the Bible said Peter went out wept bitterly. He wept. He repented. And he didn't have this truth yet. He didn't have this Holy Ghost yet. He didn't have this spirit of truth in his heart and his his mind yet. But but approaching up to that, what an example of how weak that flesh is, and how important it is to have this born again experience. And I'm so glad the born again experience is not a handshake. But this this dude needed more than a handshake. Okay, so do you. And I'm glad it's not just reading somebody's little pre-made prayer and, and uh, signing somebody's card and putting the date next to it. I need more than that. I never read that in the Bible either. Matter of fact, I never read in the Bible that you're to accept Christ as your personal Savior. It's not in here. It ain't in there. What you messing with it for? I thought we were going to cut to the chase. I thought we were going to go right to God. I thought we were going to get the word from his lips. I thought we were going to get what he gave to the church. And what he gave to the church is you repent of your sins. You get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. God wants you to get single with that. 500 of them. He's showing himself alive after his crucifixion and resurrection. Showing himself with many infallible proofs. There's 500 of them there. He's giving them last-minute instructions. And he tells them that you're to go to Jerusalem and you're to wait there for the promise of the Spirit. And uh, 120 of them said, we're with you. Right behind you. Let's go. And, you know, it was only a half a mile journey. Approximately a half a mile. They started on that journey. 380 didn't budge. You, you're not going? Nah, yeah, nah, nah. And they proved that they were double-hearted. They proved that they couldn't be trusted. They proved that they were not stable. 
so they went their own little way, did their own little thing, becoming disobedient. to the. Now you can imagine some of them, that he didn't really mean that. You know, that that's not what that All those spirits that will rise up and things that they will say. But I got news for you. God means just exactly what he says. Not one jot, not one tittle. That means not one accent, not one of the smallest little accents of the word of God is going to be unfulfilled. Everything, everything. He even said heaven and earth are going to pass away. He said, but my word is not going to pass away. All right? So he, he means what he says. He means what he says. There, there is, you know, there are people that read this book and they go, they go right over scripture. And you can point it out and they just go into that full-blown denial thing. And they step off into theory land and they get lost in theory land, believe me. And they, they uh, are filled with their own ideas and their own traditions. You've got to purpose in yourself that I'm going to get the word of the Lord. I'm going to look at how, how did he do it. He told them to go to Jerusalem. He told them that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name. What's that name? Thank you. In his name. Among all nations. Wasn't going to be one left out. Everybody. And he said, now you get to Jerusalem. That's where it's going to start. And they got to Jerusalem. About 120. And they fought off spirits of family and friends and co-workers and whatever. And they said, Jesus said this, we're going to do this. And there was 120 that had a singleness of heart, mind, and spirit. And they went to that upper room in the church house in Jerusalem. And there, being assembled there, the Bible teaches, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave the utterance. Almost thou said, well, guess what? I spoke another tongue, but I did it by me. Okay? You get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak another tongue as He speaks through you. And that's Him confirming when you say, I believe. Lots of people say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And lots of people aren't believing. But you know, the one that the Lord gives the Holy Ghost to, or shall I say, the one that the Lord gives the Holy Ghost to. That's him confirming that you truly are believing in your heart. And there, when he speaks through you, that becomes the confession of your mouth right there. You know, we're not legislating God out of this. We're not traditionalizing God out of this. We're not uh, uh, denominationally putting God out of this. We're staying with the book. We're going to be a part of the church. He's the invisible head of the church. And he's in control. He is God. And no matter how the enemy wants to block him out, he will appear in the midst of his church with infallible proof that he is in control and that he is God. Amen. Amen. And amen. And amen. Disciples during the days of his flesh, they marveled. They thought they were having a hallucinatory reaction or something. And somebody said, it's the Spirit. Then they really got scared. Big storm on, boat rocking to and fro, water coming over the sides, looked like they're beginning to sink. Here he is. 
speaks to the wind, speaks to the rain, speaks to the waves, takes care of things. Positive demonstration in the midst of it all. I'm in control. Good for you sometimes to go through a little shaking up. Good for you sometimes because you know you get a little stubborn. You know that flesh starts rising up. No wonder Jesus said, beware of the leaven, that stuff that rises and spreads. You know. And he said, he's, he's trying to tell you, you're going to go through something. You're going to experience something. You, you know when you're getting sick, this thing starts running. This thing starts hurting. Your whole body feels like jello, wobbly. You know, and you got all these funny little things going on, only they're not funny. And maybe you're sneezing, you know. And I mean, oh, all of a sudden you're hot. Oh, no, I'm cold. Oh, I'm hot. Oh, I'm cold. Hot. And you can't make up your mind because you're experiencing all of it. Spirit, I'm trying to tell you, there are feelings that you will have when spirits attack. And they swirl around you like a storm. But Jesus, if you will follow his way of being and have that singleness of heart, he knows how to show up. He knows how to calm all of that stuff from around you that's bothering you and upsetting you and confusing you. He will. You stay with that word of the Lord. You tell yourself, I'm not to be like that. I don't want to be like that. I know I shouldn't be like that. Help me here, Lord. You can be touched with the feelings of my weaknesses. And, Lord, I do have a few of that. Uh, it's kind of like the guy told me I was wrong, and I said, okay, so I made my first mistake in life. Right. Okay, there you go. Amen. Maybe the first one you ever got caught at. <laughs> oh, Lord, heaven help us, right? So Jesus has sent them, and they went. What a happy group they were. Singleness of heart. Every one of them to the man or the woman. Where are you going? Going to the upper room of Jerusalem. What you going there for? Going there to get the Holy Ghost. Okay, we got that straight. And all the baler adders, all the chickens, all the big stripes of yellow down the back, all the otherwise occupied, all the double-hearted, all the double-minded, they all stayed back to 380. They, they didn't go. They didn't go. They, they've, been, they've been washed out. They've been, they don't know it, but they've been put out. They've been, uh, what did it say about the, the uh, fellows that came in and tried to uh, convict somebody in the eyes of Jesus for the purpose of catching Jesus? And, and, and they became convicted of their own conscience when certain questions were posed to them. And so I'm saying to you that these 380, you know, they, they looked at and heard everything Jesus said, and they got, they got convicted about their own lives. They got convicted about all the things that they were planning to do, you know. And there are people that uh, are all very busy about so many things in life that it doesn't have a thing in the world to do with Jesus Christ and his work, Okay. You've got to bring, you don't build the church around your life. You build your life around the church. The church is to be at the center. Jesus Christ is absolutely the one that holds it all together, my friend. And you better tell yourself he's in control. And you better tell yourself, I want him to help me to have a singleness of heart. And when they got to the upper room, I read to you, verse 46, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Peter begins to preach to 17 plus nations representing the whole known world. And when he gets done preaching, they cry out and say, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the Holy Ghost comes through Peter and says, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he tells them, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward, that means unruly, ungovernable, talk-back, smart-aleck generation, going to do it my own way, whatever my heart wants to do. Well, you look like you're double-hearted or more. You better get single-hearted. And the Bible went on to tell you that that's what they had. They begin to work together, and they begin to worship together, and they did it with singleness of heart. Singleness of heart. Singleness of heart. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Bible said they did that continuing daily. This wasn't a hit and miss. This wasn't um, um, hokey pokey, you know. Men them out, men them out, men them out. It wasn't that way. This was a, a continuing daily. And it said they were in one accord, and that's not a vehicle. Okay? <laughs> Amen. That, that meant they were in a voluntary agreement to harmonize. You know, you ever, you ever hear some people sing, they uh, there'd be four or five or six in there, or maybe a choir, you know. And you got one in there that, you know, the word ends on, I don't know, heaven. And then you got somebody at the end going, heaven! Everybody else quit over here, but you're over here. That's not harmony. That's, that's not unity. That's not working together, you know. And so somehow, you know, they the egos got under control. That's something that the Holy Ghost does. He'll, he'll get you to where you realize it's not all about you, but it's all about him. And when it said magnify, it wasn't talking about magnifying yourself. It was talking about magnifying him. Okay? All right. So, so that's why the example was given when the Spirit, the eternal Spirit, invisible, chose to show himself visibly. Spoke the word over Mary. Said, let there be, and there was. And after the due course of nature, Mary brought forth that baby. And was described later that he took upon him the form of a servant and made himself of no reputation. Okay? Even th that's why he said there's none good but one, and that is God. And, and that carnal mind went, see, there's two. God. That's what you say. That's what the devil said. That's what religion said. But God's, God said in his word that he was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. God was shown clearly in the flesh. God demonstrated in the flesh. That's what it said. All through your Bible, Genesis to Revelation, one God, one God, one God, over and over and over and over again. And somebody said, well, there's one on this side and one on that side. Well, that's funny because God said in Isaiah that there is none beside me, yea, I know not any. <laughs> Woo! Let's stay with the book. Stay with the book. Somebody said, well, there's three persons. Gee, that's funny because the Bible said he's the express image of his person. There's only one. And never use plurality about God. Never in your Bible. Never in your Bible. The only thing it would talk about in plurality would be his many wonderful characteristics. 
The same God is love. Same God is wise. Same God is loving. Same God is holy. All the same God, but he possesses all of these characteristics and good qualities. But there's only one God. In the beginning, God. Didn't say God. Didn't say person. It said God. Somebody said, well, it said let us. Let us. Will you have a problem with the word us? I talk about we when I'm talking about me. You have a problem with that? That's proper to be that way. We're not bragging here. And there is a way to present things. And besides, there is a heavenly host. And God is surrounded by his angels. God does have Michael the archangel. God does have his heavenly host. He is the, uh, the author of it all. And if he chooses to say, let us, please read the next verse where he said that he created man. Singular. 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 Why try to spend your life proving something that God is not saying or doing and that he has not said or done? But you're trying to really prove what man has come up with and what man has concocted, what man has put together. It's like the guy that went to, took his fortune and determined that he didn't believe in God and he went over to the Middle East and he was going to prove that apples wouldn't grow in the Middle East. And when he got done spending all of his fortune in an attempt to prove that apples wouldn't grow in the area known where the Garden of Eden would have been, somebody said, hey, knock, knock, wake up. The Bible never said that Eve ate an apple. Oh, oh, wish I'd have thought of that before I blew all my fortune. Then there was a guy that spent, spent his whole life trying to prove that there was no resurrection of Jesus Christ, only to discover that there was, and he became a believer. You know? So what can I tell you, folks? Might as well just cut to the chase. God's right. <laughs> and what God said is right. And it's forever settled in heaven, so you might as well just go right to the source and say, here I am, miserable thing that I am. You think you could do anything with me? <laughs> you think maybe you could save me? You think maybe you could get rid of my double-mindedness and my double-heartedness and and all the distractions and all the things that are pulling me left and right and got me running around like a dog chasing its tail. Do you think possibly, God? I heard one man, one man told me. He said, I, I got the Holy Ghost when I thought God didn't want me to have the Holy Ghost. And I thought I wasn't good enough to have the Holy Ghost. He said, that's when I got the Holy Ghost. You know, but if you're going to bring yourself up there, Mr. and Miss Pride, and you're going to say, God, you're so lucky to have me, well, I got news for you. You're going to spend a lonely time at that bus stop all by yourself. Because the Holy Ghost bus ain't coming by there. <laughs> Amen. And everybody said hallelujah. Come on. But when that 120, friend, when they got singleness of heart, I want you to know that revival, reaping of the harvest, busted out of that upper room. And they begin to go everywhere. And the Bible said everywhere they went, talking and preaching Jesus Christ, witnessing Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of the Lord worked with them, confirming the word, not the commentary, not the tradition, not the I think so, or I want it to be so, confirming the word with signs and wonders and miracles following. God confirms his word. Every time somebody gets the Holy Ghost, that's God confirming his word. Do you hear me? God is in control. He's in control. He's in control. Amen. You want to have a, a singleness. The light of the body is the eye. 
Therefore, when thine eye is single, he said, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, anything less than single is evil. We've got we've to begin to repent and get things out. Whether you're repenting for the first time, shall I say, to get born again, or whether you're in the church and you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you've had the Holy Ghost, every day you should repent. Every day you should, you should tell God you want a, a brand new touch. Forgive me of everything. Everything. Well, I can't do nothing wrong. You better tell him you're sorry. You better just go ahead and update it because there are things that get by and there's thoughts that get thunk. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> well, you, you'll remember it, won't you? That might be the idea. So you know what I'm saying. You just go ahead and make a clean shot of it all. Just put it out there. And every day. And then you embark on the day as an overcomer. I'm repenting and I'm overcoming. I'm repenting and I'm overcoming. Somebody said, y'all think you're perfect. No, that's the whole point of us repenting and overcoming. We know we're not perfect. The only one's perfect is him. Amen. And we have to come to him every day. We have to fall on his mercies every day. And I can fall on his mercies because they're new every morning. Woo, they're waiting for me. Look what I got for you, a whole bunch of new mercies. He even called them tender mercies. Woo, nothing hard there. Nothing trying to make quarrel or fight with me. He's, a, he's telling me I'm ready to pardon. My mercies, the multitude of my tender mercies are awaiting you. Don't run from me. Don't hide from me. Don't slip around. Don't be cunning. Let there be no guile. Be honest with God. Just be honest with him. Let your whole body be full of light. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. Colossians. Colossians 3. There are so many wonderful scriptures, but uh, I wanted to, to try to give you something here that would do with this singleness of heart. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. The, he, the writer said for you to, as even as an employee, that you would serve your masters or your employers, okay, that you would not do it with eye service, meaning that I'm only going to do my job when they're looking. Okay, or I'm only going to do right when someone's looking. But he said that you would do it with a singleness of heart, a singleness of mind, a singleness of spirit, that you would pull everything in together to do the right thing, reining in this flesh, putting it under subjection, and going about things in a manner that would please your heavenly Father. Okay? Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. And everybody said hallelujah. So he said, um, it uses the word servants in verse 22 of chapter 3. But in other words, employees, obey in all things your employers or masters. And some translations use those terms, by the way, according to the flesh. That's all they are. They're just bosses according to the flesh. Keep that in mind that there's, it's like a, a, a boss told me one time, he said, I want you to reconstruct what took place six months ago. I was like, yeah, right. He looked at me like, what? And I said, 
when I leave out of here, when I clock out, I said, I have, my real life begins. I said, I'm in the church. I, I have the Holy Ghost. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. He looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, man, I don't hear those bells and those whistles and those uh, different things connected with this job. I said, I'm not hearing that when I leave here. I said, that stays here. And he couldn't understand that because he, he lived and ate and breathed his business that he was involved in, and that he was working for somebody else himself, of course. But let me tell you something. There's something a whole lot. You do your job, he's saying, and you do it right. You don't, you don't cheat because he teaches us not to cheat. Okay? You don't lie because he teaches us not to lie. I have a new heart. I have a new spirit. You know, it's like um, one of the, there's just things that take place when you get baptized in Jesus and get filled with the Holy Ghost that you want to start doing it correctly. You want to, you're not looking over your shoulder, where's the cops at? You're not doing that anymore, you know, because you're trying to do things right, you know. Are we perfect? No, but do we get up every day and repent and overcome? Yes. Every day we're striving. Every day we're trying to do this right. And he's telling you, he's saying here now, obey in all things. Be a good example, in other words. Do the right thing. He said, but remember, they're just masters in the flesh. And he said, there's something bigger than that when you're done with your job. Do your job right, but the bigger picture is when you're off your job. He said, and you don't do what you do with eye service as just trying to please somebody. He said, but the bigger thing is you're doing it in singleness of heart, fearing God. In other words, you don't want to make God look bad. You want them. You know why they like our young men and women? Because when they go on the job, they're honest. They don't have to worry about them taking money out of the till. They don't have to worry about them stealing time and poking around and fooling around and catching a nap here and catching a nap there or just getting by all the time. They, they see that they're diligent and they're hardworking and they're honest and they're open and above board. They see that. They recognize these characteristics. Where'd you get them? I got them from my heaven. I got them when he filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I've been getting that cultivated in my life. I go to church. I'm in the house of God. I'm hearing the word of God. I'm getting taught. This is cultivating the right. I'm born again. I did it wrong the first time, but now I'm, I'm reborn a winner now. I was a loser then, but I got it going together now because of what he gave me. Because now I can have singleness of heart. I'm with him. I don't want to hear nothing about Judas. I don't want any part of that traitor. You ever read in your Bible? In the you know, when you get to the book of Romans, from there to Revelation, you are reading messages that were written to the church, to people that were already baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, making them a part of the body of Christ, the mighty congregation of God. And these letters or epistles or messages were written to them. Now that you're born again, now that you're in the church, now that you're a Christian, now we're going to teach you how to stay that way. Now that you're saved, how you can stay saved, that you won't be double-hearted, okay? That you won't say one thing out of one side of your mouth. Oh, I love you, Lord. And then you'll look at your wife and say, That goes the other way, too, now, ladies, Okay? Some men, I'm telling you, they, I feel sorry for them. They got so many, they, their head looks like the moon. Got so many craters from being pecked on. You know? Oh, Lord. Oof, that one hurt. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I don't want to lose that 
you know, you, you can't set that Holy Ghost aside for about 30 seconds while you go on a rip and a tirade. And <laughs> oh, man, somebody walked in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, no. No, we can't, can't have that going. Two different things going from the same source. Can't do that. Don't work. It does not work. No, we've got to be single here. We got to be single. We got to bring that bad one over here and put it in subjection to that good one. And we're coming right straight forward. You know, this is it. This is who I am. Oh, yeah. Everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. We're going to be single of heart. Single of heart. We're going to have single heart. That's how. We're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And by the grace and the help of God, we're working on that every day. Somebody sang the song, he's still working on me. Well, that's what I want. But you've got to bring yourself and present yourself so he can keep working on you. You don't want to be pulling an Adam and Eve and running away and learning things that aren't good for you to learn. And that's what God said. Who told you? Who you've been listening to? Who's got your ear? Consequently, your heart. Well, so-and-so. <laughs> Somebody went on one time about, they said, they said, they said. <laughs> they got stopped dead in their tracks. Said, You're not going to put a name to that. Don't open your mouth again. <laughs> who you, who you hiding? Who you shielding? Who you cloaking? You know, I want to tell some people, if I can't put your name to it, you might as well stop talking right now. Quit talking your junk. Claim your junk and take it on out of here. <laughs> Come on now. I want, I'm working on having a single heart. I'm lining up behind Jesus, and I'm going to Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, I'm going to go where he sends me to do what he sends me to do. I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ as it does the job of the Spirit throughout the earth. Okay? I'm not going to be a Judas. I'm not going to be a traitor. I'm not going to hang out with people who are plotting and conspiring against Jesus Christ and what he's doing. Not going to do that. I'm going to be single in my heart. Let's stand together. Come on. Glory. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. Let's love him together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear God. Touch every heart, every life, every mind and every spirit. Give us strength and victory. Help us, God, to rebuke the devil. Absolutely put him out of here. Put him out of our hearts, out of our lives, out of our environment. That we want to give no place to the devil. And that we know his characteristics. And we know the stuff that he tries to bring and introduce to our hearts. And we reject that and rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven is our goal. Come on, Lord. We want to reap a harvest for you. We want to have great revival for you. We want to plant churches for you. Oh, God, I thank you. And I praise him. Come on and let's worship him this morning. Father, you are holy. There is no one else like you. Faithful, faithful. Father, you are faithful. We have put our trust in you. Our God who reigns. 
Thank you, Jesus. You are holy, Lord. You are wonderful, Lord. Jesus, you are good, Lord. Mighty God of heaven and earth, we praise your name this day, Lord. Thank you for the chance, Lord, and opportunity, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are wonderful, Lord. You are great, dear God. Hallelujah, Lord. Praises to your great name. Praises to your wonderful name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord here this morning to hear the good word of God, to hear the preaching of the word of God. You know, the, God, the word of God, it, it, the Bible says it brings light. The interest of thy word giveth light in our hearts. I thank God tonight, that this morning, that we have the chance to have a light, to, to, to light our way in this dark and dreary world. This world, I don't have the truth. I don't know the truth of God. We have that light to bring unto this world. We have, we have been commissioned and ordained by God to give the light unto this world. And I thank God for the opportunity to be a bearer and a carrier of that light. I don't want to put my light, the Bible says, who lights a candle and put it under a bushel or a bed? I don't want to put my, my light that God's giving the gift of the Holy Ghost to put it under a bushel or under a bed. I want to make sure my light is shining for this dark world to see that God is, that there is still a God that's able to heal. There is still a God that's able to save. There is still a God that's able to give peace. And I thank God today that we have that light and that we have that truth. That we don't have some form of Godness and deny, deny his power. We know the truth for God. That we know that where his power, where our strength comes from and our power comes from the Almighty God here this day. And I thank God that we know his truth. At this time with us prepare, everyone say God bless the offering in Jesus' name.